Welcome to the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast brought to you by Torch Technologies. In this podcast, you will learn about all things Torch, from its history to its culture, employee ownership, commitment to the warfighter, our community involvement, and so much more. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and stay connected with Torch by following us on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Today, I sit down to talk with John Watson, the CEO of Torch Technologies. First off, thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk with me today. Would you like to introduce yourself? And we'll get started there. Okay, very well. Well, thank you for having me. I'm John Watson, uh, CEO of Torch, president of Starfish and president of Samvana. Okay, wow. So I kind of want to begin the conversation by talking a little bit about your background prior to even at Torch and prior to really even beginning your career. So you're originally from the South Alabama area. You pursued your bachelor's degree at Auburn and your master's at University of Florida, both in electrical engineering. What kind of prompted you to study that and kind of what would ultimately propel you to the career you have today? Well, when I was uh, going through school, I always liked math and science a lot. And I had some friends that were actually in engineering that were older than me, and they steered me in that direction. And as well, too, when I was we had a little local paper when I was growing up, and I noticed that somebody that had actually gotten to be a vice president, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I guess with TVA at wow. the time, and he had an engineering degree. So those breadcrumbs all along that kind of steered me in that direction. Yeah, so. and I guess like that first little breadcrumb of the vice president, who would have thought, you know, now in 2023, you're the CEO of Torch Technologies. And looking back, it's probably a pretty cool thing to think of. It certainly has been a long journey from where I started <laughs> at. So. so you go to get your bachelor's at Auburn and then mm-hmm. your master's at, at University of Florida. What was your first career job out of college and kind of where what ultimately brought you to the Huntsville area? Well, actually, when I first started, I started in the defense industry uh, with Dynetics here in the Huntsville area. And I thought I was going to go to work out of here, but they had an opportunity six months in to go down to Florida to work on a new air missile that they were developing at the time uh, called AMRAM. So I signed up for a two-year rotation that ended up being over 20 years. Wow. And that's when I decided when I got down in that area that was closer to family uh, okay. and had young kids. And so decided that was a better fit and also wanted the experience of being able to be in a field office. And that's really gave me the basis of a lot of the managerial skills that you needed to run larger organizations. Yeah. So did you spend your whole 20 years down there for just Dynetics or what point did you have the opportunity when you started to work at Nichols right. as well? Well, fortunately, when I, by the time I'd gotten 27 years old, I had the opportunity to go in and run the office at Nichols that started a couple of years earlier. Had established it and been two people and kind of stalled out there. So I was thinking about coming back to the Huntsville area. And they said, well, instead of going back to the Huntsville area, I want you to just stay down here for a couple of years and see if you can make a go of it. Okay. So fortunately, I was able to make a go of it. Uh, <laughs> by the time we saw we were over 65 employees and we had other field offices. We were also in Panama City and Tampa and Fort Rucker. So anyway, it um, really, again, it, it gave me the basis to figure out how to develop new markets. Yeah. Ranching, going out from, well, how do you do, get uh, work with the Special Operations Command, with the Navy? How do you work with the Army versus wow. just the Air Force? So, how often did you have to make the commute back to Huntsville? Nichols' main office mm-hmm. was here in Huntsville. Were you often making the commute back and forth? Yeah, I, I actually spent a number. I, I got caught up with corporate proposals and uh, was on the capture team for several, at that point in time, $400 million contracts, which were the equivalent of today's billion dollar contracts wow. and so and, and i would of course all our proposal center was here so i'd come up and spend several weeks during the summer pretty okay. much 
And that was a great experience because you really got to know other people in the corporation real well outside of your own group. Yeah. And you guess you got to see Huntsville sort of grow too throughout those years at Nichols as you were making the trips back and forth. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like you were gone for 20 years and then come back and then Huntsville's this whole new city. You'd seen it over yeah. the years. No, Huntsville's basically second home for me. You know, okay. You're spending this that much time, you know, coming back and forth. You develop a lot of friendships during the course of that time. Of course, when I'd come back up all during those times, if Bill was here, you know, yeah. we would go spend a lot of time together. And so, I mean, you met Bill at Nichols in 1989 or so? That's right. As a matter of fact, when I was up here in Huntsville for my interview trip, uh, Marshall Weathersby was somebody that worked with both of us. And he was recruiting me. And so he was in the same group as Bill. And so he was one of the first people that I met when I came up here to meet with Marshall. Yeah. So as you spend your time throughout Nichols in 1999 or so, Nichols is sold. Mm -hmm. So what did your career look like in kind of where was the trajectory that would ultimately bring you back to Torch in 2009? But you had a few years mm -hmm. where you had left Nichols because it got sold and then you went right. back to Dynetics or mm -hmm. how did That's that conversation work yeah, out? Yeah, basically, well, I gave it one year in terms of trying to see if we make a go of it. Unfortunately, the group that I had, the way CSC was organized, everything was by service. So you, you're either Air Force or you were Army or you were Navy. Okay. And of course, I had pieces and parts <laughs> of all of it. Yeah. And so basically, they wanted to just put me into the Air Force group. And the Air Force group had an uh, OCI, conflict of interest, where we couldn't bid contracts down in the area where we wow. were at. So clearly, there was no future <laughs> at that point in time after I figured we couldn't work that out. But the Army piece of work that we had, I mean, it actually was a foundation of a large simulation activity that they won a little bit later on. Oh, wow. Big warfighter simulation facility they installed down at Rutgers. So that piece was very successful, mm -hmm. but I was not going to go with that part. Yeah. So. I mean, we've had a lot of the conversations with people on the podcast that have been employees here at Torch for a long time, and they all have sort of that same story journey of Nichols and kind of all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's interesting to have this conversation with you. But so you ended up after that one year kind of trying it out with after Nichols got bought, you ended up going back to Dynetics for a little bit. That's correct. Yeah. Dynetics actually had an office down there and they were looking for some leadership for okay. it. And Dynetics uh, was a company much like Nichols, much like Torch. Yeah. And, you know, very technical, very good work environment. It wasn't privately held. You weren't running quarter to quarter. Was Dynetics sort of your first introduction to ESOPs? Because I mean, up until I guess the 2019 or so is when they got bought out. Yep. But that was sort of your first introduction to what an ESOP was? At that point in time, they were just partially owned by the ESOP. They, they, okay. I, I left before they'd begun 100%. And to be honest with you, it took me a while to really understand. I was very appreciative of after I left and I was able to take the ESOP money that I'd accumulated <laughs> there and roll it into Torch's ESOP. Yeah. So. At the time, you were still in Florida at this point. Actually, when, when, I, about half the time through, I decided I got offered a corporate job up here in Huntsville. Okay. So the last half, I actually worked with Dynetics here in Huntsville okay. in their business development group. I was running new product development. Throughout that time, so I guess Nichols gets bought out. Bill and Don begin to kind of come up with this idea for Torch Technologies. Mm -hmm. Were you still in communication with Bill throughout those years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was getting job offers you know, <laughs> ever so often. But then I was in a very comfortable place where I was at Dynetics yeah. at that point in time. I pretty much had positioned myself for the job that I wanted. It turned out at the same time, Bill came offering the job. So <laughs> that took a little soul searching. I knew that at the end of the day, I knew that I'd have a voice at Torch. Yeah. And I thought that that was very important. And if you look at that point in time, I still had a number of years left in my career. Yeah. And, and so you joined Torch as the in 2009 as business developments is the role you joined on. That's right. Yeah. And Bill, when he brought me over here, he said at that point in time, Torch was 100% in Huntsville by and large. It was just like two people in yeah. a field office in Colorado Springs, but really no development out of business out there. And he brought me on with the charter that we want to build business outside of Huntsville. Okay. 
And so we had to wait a couple of years until we kind of got an, enough infrastructure built up here to go do that. But we made a corporate decision a couple of years after I got here to really start pursuing those field offices and started with the uh, Fort Walton Beach office. Because okay. We had this plan that we basically didn't want to spend a whole lot of money in developing these things. <laughs> so we had the basically the tank of gas rule. You know, you had to pick yeah. a market that you could get down with one, a single tank. 100%. Market, tank of gas. Uh, that's where we started working first, used my connections there. We've got some subcontracts and then later on bits and prime contracts. Wow. And, and certainly we're very proud of uh, that team that's propagated that now to you know, over 235 employees. Wow. Here in our yeah, because I mean, when you joined Torch in 2009, I mean, the company was a pretty, pretty, pretty much a small business. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very many employees. Like I said, it was pretty much all concentrated to Huntsville. That's right. Yeah, I think um, it's around 150, 160 employees. Wow. And were, like I said, all but two were in the Huntsville area. Yeah. So. And your expertise kind of in the, in the roles you played at Nichols and the roles you played at Dynetics when you were working in those field offices mm-hmm. really is kind of what Bill was kind of tugging at you to bring and be like, hey, come to Torch, come to Torch. That's and right. then you just yeah. ultimately made the decision and kind of has grown Torch over the years. Mm-hmm. But you've worked your way up throughout Torch from 2009 being the, in kind of over business development. And then in 2014, you became over the board of directors for Torch. And then kind of the conversation today, which is in 2018, you were selected to be the CEO of Torch Technologies. Mm-hmm. And so thinking back throughout your career, what was it like getting that distinction, getting that either promotion or sort of that acknowledgement within the company? It's certainly from going from being business development and switching to president, that was a huge transition. <laughs> Although I had you know, run line organizations before, uh, but not now all of a sudden you take everything into account, uh, you know, both the corporate back office and also the line organizations. Yeah. It's a bit to digest. <laughs> but fortunately, we uh, a great management team. And like I said, I wanted, just like I came to Torch because I want to have a voice, I wanted to make sure that we created a management environment where they all had a voice too. Yeah, And that's where we created our executive council uh, where we tried to make the decisions we could as a group versus individual. Was the jump... I mean, like obviously, as you said, the jump to kind of becoming president and CEO was a pretty big jump as far as your day to day. When you made the switch to just being as now you're just CEO and over the board of directors, was that a big switch in sort of your day to day? Or is that sort of the same that you were kind of doing back in 2018? It's been a transition year for us, all <laughs> right. And it was really, really, really busy to start with because the whole goal when somebody's coming in behind you should be to make them successful. Yeah. And so I wanted to make sure that we do my day to day and have Brad in there with me on the day to day. And go with him through the process of what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing, yeah. and get his voice to make sure he's good with that as well, too. With the intent that, hey, a year from now, you'll be you know, yeah. doing all that. And uh, I'm here to answer your questions, but it's going to be you know, falling on your plate. Yeah. So it was really super busy all during that first six months. Then the next, uh, after we got kind of got past some milestones that we had to do on the torch side, and then it's really started putting attention toward the new company, Savannah, that we created. And it got really busy at that point in time <laughs> because you had to stand up a new company. We have a partner in that yeah. company. We had to you know, get all the operating uh, documents together and print and all that signed off and approved. But that's all kicked off and going great yeah. now. And so the other part of it is now I'm in a learning mode. <laughs> and you are literally have to be committed to be a lifelong learner. Yeah. Now I'm learning the real estate business, <laughs> uh, which is uh, when I was doing Torch, we really had to keep those separated because you know, Torch was buying the services from yeah. real estate. So we really did keep a, a firewall between us. But now I'm having to penetrate that firewall and learn a little bit about that. So I think we actually have a class coming up here in October where I'm going to start immersing myself more in that, wow. that world. So. Yeah. I mean, for those that are listening that maybe don't know sort of the structure is, so you're the president over Starfish and Starfish is sort of the parent company for the multiple different companies underneath with this Torch, Simvana, Freedom Real Estate. 
And so you're kind of having to not only be the CEO of Torch, which is one of the sister companies, mm-hmm. but also spend your time over all of them at the same time. I couldn't yeah. imagine your schedule and just how you navigate that. Is that skill something that you've kind of been developing over the last couple of years? Or is that something that you've always sort of kind of had something that kind of helped you navigate all of that? Well, you just have to be able to multiplex. And, yeah. and, and I guess that's probably a skill I have had over yeah. the years to be able to pivot pretty quickly to a different subject and engage. But like I said, one thing that really makes all of this doable, again, is you know, we've got a great management team in all those places. Mm-hmm. And really at the starfish level, I mean, what you're doing is, right, you're just trying to get the balance between the whole enterprise. Yeah. You want to be able to grow the value of the overall enterprise, but you want to do that while balancing the risk. And you want to look for opportunities for symbiotic yeah. relationships between 100%. those entities, right? I've always been a great fan of the consult theory. I mean, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And so we want to look for opportunities where we can look where freedom and torch uh, can do things together that grows the value greater than them growing them individually. Yeah. A big part of Torch, a big part of the conversations we have on the podcast is all about culture. It's the company culture with Torch mm-hmm. that kind of sets it apart from others. How has the company culture changed and developed from when you first came here in 2009 to now at this bigger size company that you are and kind of as your role now as CEO? Well, I think it's easier when it's smaller, right? It's easier to be able to communicate culture uh, with the group because it's uh, you're all there and you're all present mm-hmm. and face-to-face. It certainly gets to be more challenging when you're 40% of your workforce now is located in 20 locations wow. throughout the United States. However, one thing that I found that is that people start getting it as, as time goes on. And it's just like my own journey uh, with ESOPs. Yeah. I mean, when you first hear it, yeah, it kind of sounds good, but you know, <laughs> you're not really sure there's a lot of substance to it. But then as you get more and more into it, uh, as you actually see what it, the fact that the company is paying for retirement for you, that they have policies that are intended to really promote all the employee, employee owners, lifestyles, balances. And so I think that the more you get into it, you know, the more you, you buy into it. And yeah. and part of what we try to do is uh, spend time as a management team in, in all those sites and make sure that they realize that just because you're remote doesn't mean that you're not part of this culture. 100%. And I always like to go remind all of them, you know, that I've spent more than half of my career in, in field offices. Mm-hmm. So we're very, very sympathetic, you know, <laughs> to what it's like to be in a field office. Yes. And we also realize that a lot of our future growth is going to be coming out of those field offices. So we really want to challenge those people that we want to enable you here and make sure you're successful. And at the end of the day, that eventually, uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make you successful. We need people to step up and be successful in those markets. If someone's listening to this and maybe they just began their career here at Torch, maybe they've only been here a few years, maybe they're just right out of college, wherever it might be. What is the one thing that you would say to kind of help solidify the fact that the ESOP is something that you kind of have to see grow? It's not just Mm -hmm. something that's going to be right off the bat. That's right. Now, it's one of those things that you really need to think about long-term wealth growth. This is really unique that this is one of the few retirement plans that's still available to people where even if you don't even invest anything on your own, that you would actually, when you work here long enough, you'll have enough resources to be able to have a comfortable retirement. Wow. You don't find that in very many places. And I know that there's always a lot of financial stress early on. I mean, I didn't come from money, so we had to bootstrap our way up the ladder there. So, you know, I understand there's a lot of pressures and you're always wanting to get the as quickly as you can when Mm -hmm. you first get started in your career. But this is a great thing where even if you aren't a great saver yourself, if you just hang with us, by the time you've been with us five or 10 years, 
you're going to start feeling comfortable financially. You just need to be patient to get to that point. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the podcast is always forward thinking. I mean, with, it, with an ESOP, never really thinking, you know, six months, never really thinking even a year. You're always thinking two to three years down the road. As we record this episode, September of 2023, what does the rest of the year look like? I know it's, it's hard to think in such a short time, but also what are some goals you have for the company as CEO for the next two to three years and kind of forward thinking? Well, it looks for the rest of the year. I mean, I think we certainly have enough challenges that we're working on in terms of uh, bringing our infrastructure to where we want it to be. So everybody's working hard on those things. And part of that is certainly looking at improving our way to communicate with all those people that we brought on board. And we're also, fortunately, I mean, I think we've got most of our big bids out of the way for this year. It seems like the We've got one of them that we may be teeing up a little bit later this year, but a lot of it's just going off and executing all the stuff that we've won. So, but it looks like we're really in shape to have a really good year this year again. Yeah. Very, very fortunate. Some fantastic work that happened earlier in the year in terms of winning some contracts and then going in and actually onboarding a lot of employees and new locations that really set us up well for the year. Going fast forward past that in the next two to three years, of course, we're going to continue our emphasis in terms of expansion outside of uh, the Huntsville area. We've got some big bid opportunities we're looking at in several locations that will help solidify that. We also are probably looking to bring some more business development support to some of those areas as well, too. And one thing that as an evergreen company, we're always worried about is succession and preparing our next generation leaders and candidates. And that's something that we're working hard on right now. Once we have executed our succession plan last year. Uh, now we're revamping that whole thing. And okay. Identifying where we have needs. Typically what we try to do is you know, have an 80-20 ratio in terms of internal candidates versus external candidates. So we always are making sure that we're getting our internal candidates prepped. But it also means that we need to go off and recruit every year for some external candidates as well. And so we'll be looking at that and working that issue hard as well, too, because yeah. we know we have other transitions that are coming up in the next few years. Yeah. So if you were to see a headline for Torch Technologies in the next two to three years, a newspaper headline, an article headline, what would you want that headline to say? I'd say Torch demonstrated its very successful 2,000-person company operating in the mid-tier space. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I mean, that would be a wonderful headline. <laughs> so Bill normally ends our episodes by challenging the employees of Torch that it's up to them to keep our dream alive. What does that statement mean to you? And does it mean something different to you now as CEO? Well, we've got to have a next generation behind us that's got fire in their belly to make this thing work. And I mean, just as, uh, as determined as Bill was to get it up and started and as determined as everybody as part of the management team we were to overcome the obstacles. We had to overcome to take it from be a 130-person company to 1,600-person company. We need to have people that have that kind of enthusiasm and drive and determination behind us. So I guess my challenge would be the fact that get yourself prepared that we need leaders that are willing to emerge and step up. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending the last few minutes talking to me a little bit more about your story, your journey to become CEO of Torch Technologies. And I continue to look forward to the success you'll have at this position here at Torch uh, for years to come. If you're listening to this and you want to find out more information about Torch, see any job openings as they're continuing to grow and expand, you can visit their website, torchtechnologies.com today. Thank you again for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and stay connected with us on social media for news and updates surrounding the company. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed it.